Now, I take care of adult patients. I don't take care of sick children, but I am a parent of three young kids and I also get the numbers every day. And the numbers I find are really concerning. We need to know what we should be doing to reduce the risk of our children getting sick, whether that be masking, uh, vaccination for influenza and COVID, or other measures that we should be taking either individually or as a group, as a society, to reduce the impact on the healthcare system for children and to make sure that kids have access to the care they need uh, when they're at their sickest. Well, that would be a novel concept in a uh, first world country, right? That is Michael Warner, Dr. Michael Warner, who is uh, one of many sounding the alarms over hospitals bursting at the seams with this unprecedented surge of kids with respiratory issues that, by the way, were very much predicted. Yes, we're having a harsh flu season, but it's being entirely made worse because parents can't get access to basic pain meds that would keep a lot of these kids out of the ER. Now we are getting more pain meds, but not for stores, it's just for hospitals, meaning the parents will still have to keep going down and clogging up all the ERs trying to get pain meds that we should be able to get in a first world country. But those in charge knew that after two years of locking kids away from germs, that once you expose kids to germs that, oh yeah, they'll get them and probably get more sick. And so now we're talking about forcing masks back on kids and the rest of us, I guess, because no one bothered to fix what they all knew was broken. It's like rinse, recycle, repeat. Let me bring in Dr. Neil Rao. He's an infectious disease consultant. Haven't talked to you in a while, so I'm so glad to have you join me. Thank you. Hi. It's almost um, incredulous to me that we are in this position because everybody and all the experts told us that we would head into a very harsh flu season and we'd be dealing with COVID. And so here we are completely un un unprepared. So I will move a bit away from the shame and blame here and say that the element of RSV, different from flu, a new virus, playing a big role in kids was not entirely predictable. You could say that, yes, New Zealand had seen this in 2021. People talked about this idea of immunity debt, that kids had been shielded so much from respiratory viruses because of lockdowns and being separated from each other, that then you see a resurgence of a virus that, you know, had been sort of held at bay. We had some warnings about it, but to see this degree of a surge in kids was not entirely predictable. One thing that did happen through COVID is we focused so much on the surge in older adults because COVID hit older yeah. adults. We've had previous years with influenza, which actually hits both older adults and young kids. But when it hits young kids, it doesn't lead to a surge in the healthcare system in children's hospitals. The novelty here is that we now have RSV really being the main player causing the burden of disease in kids and leading to a surge in pediatric hospitals and in childhood illness. And it's probably more serious when you're dealing with kids who are under age three rather than kids sure. who are older because they have a more immature immune system. Now, and even more so though, because they were locked down for two years because we all yeah. know that, you know, kids get sick and then they build up the immunity. And so is it because kids were denied? I mean, um, I, I still argue that if the hospitals had been shored up and we had all resources that we would probably be able to handle this. And if we had pain meds, however, is it because they were locked down, um, that they hadn't gotten germs and it's hitting them much more uh, hard now? I think it's part of the explanation, but people are starting to believe that that's heresy to say that, because if I'm saying that, then I'm not an enthusiast for lockdowns, which have a lot of their own problems, as we discussed. And this isn't a religion. It's not a political movement. We're just talking about facts being facts. There is such thing as having a loss of immunity or waning immunity due to lack of ongoing exposure. Uh, one thing we're also seeing now, by the way, is influenza is picking up. 
Influenza is not explaining why kids are in hospital. I want to be crystal clear. It's RSV. However, as influenza picks up, we may see a resurgence of disease in older adults and long-term care, which is why the push for vaccination in older populations is a very good idea. And we should keep going with it because if we start vaccinating once we hit the peak of the flu wave, it's too late to benefit. You want to get people vaccinated before the peak of the flu wave is hit to have the biggest impact on protecting people. How much influenza vaccine stops transmission of the virus? A whole other question. The data from before the pandemic was starting to show that our belief in the flu vaccine stopping transmission has been oversold. But as a personal protective measure for people at high risk, it's still a good thing to do. So if someone lives with someone who is at high risk of complications from the flu, perhaps then if there is some benefit in stopping transmission with the flu vaccine, good idea to get it. If as a a healthcare worker, good idea to get it. Should we be mandating the flu vaccine for people? I sure hope we don't go down that path like we did with the COVID vaccine. Otherwise, we're going to end up in the same boat we were in with the COVID vaccine where we oversold an intervention. The other big thing people talk about is masking. And once again, the proof that masking works to prevent you from transmitting the virus to somebody else was already questionable with COVID. And it's really unproven with RSV. And with influenza, it's been shown not to work. So if people are pushing for mask mandates, they have to ask themselves why they're doing this. If you're really worried about RSV and kids, closing daycares might be a better intervention. But again, these are blunt instruments. There are consequences mm-hmm. by doing that. People can't go to work. Moms especially can't go to work. They're going to be stuck staying home with the kids more than dads, just the way things work out in the society. So, you know, I, I think we have to be careful before we implement blunt instruments. The better strategy, in my view, is to really build that surge in pediatric hospitals. Yeah. Talk about diverting the older kids over age 12 to the adult hospitals to create space in pediatric hospitals. As you said, making sure that primary care pediatrics, pain medications uh, can be deployed to parents who are concerned. I do want to say I once was a parent of a young child who probably had RSV. Yes, it was bloody frightening. I mean, I remember as a doctor coming home from call and seeing my child you know, panting away, and I was stressed. So I I am completely sympathetic to what it's like for a parent, but you need to have an available, excellent pediatrician or family physician who can take some of that workload away from the pediatric hospitals because many kids won't do badly. But And also, by the way, this surge is only going to last a few weeks. All of these things come and go. Influenza peaks last about six weeks. RSV peaks last six to 12 weeks at worst. But the height of this peak, by the time we implemented everything to try and stop this, it'll be on the downfall. And then we have people surfing to glory as we're on the downside of the epidemic curve. It was already falling in the first place. Right. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, I don't like it when anyone goes after the parents because it is really, really scary with a young child when when they gasp for air. And they do sometimes. And, and a lot of times parents can manage it. But once in a while, you need the hospitals. And so that's why I keep coming back why they should have shored up all this stuff, get flu shots into people uh, much sooner or whatever, get these things done so we could be prepared for it. Having said all that, um, you know, now we're talking about masking and, and, and this, and if you mention it to a child that they're going back to this or even school shutdowns, whatever, they freak out. And that is because they don't want to go back to what they went through for two years. So I, I almost think like if we put this mandate in, you know, if people want to wear masks, they can. But if we're going to force this because we want to look to be doing something, I tend to think that we're going to end up doing more damage to the damage we've already done. 
Yep. Well, the problem with masking kids is they've shown in studies in schools, in Spain there was a study that showed masking kids in schools versus not masking, it didn't actually change the rates of, of COVID, okay? Right. There is no proof it's going to change the rates of RSV, let alone COVID. A lot of this is faith-based practice, okay? Kids don't wear masks that well. I mm-hmm. guess there was a study recently that showed that kids don't touch their face that much, but still, they don't wear them well. And we all know what happens. It's mass theater. Well, they don't they, take their they, finger they, out of their nose very often. No, I mean, and then they, and then they that thing's off. up there for a lot. So. <laughs> it'll, it'll be like being in a restaurant where you put it on before you sit down and you take it off. It's the same kind of yeah. thing Uh, So the other thing is kids need language acquisition and facial expression. That's an important part of their development. And we can't forget about the negative implications of masking kids in school, how hard it is for them to focus, uh, the the stress of what it takes to educate a child properly. Uh, We don't want to close schools. That is a blunder. I don't think anyone's talking about that. But even masking kids in schools has negative consequences. If teachers are concerned and they want to protect themselves is one thing, but teachers aren't getting flattened by RSV. This is a pediatric problem now. We have a different kind of yeah. problem. Influenza could affect a teacher who has diabetes, who's overweight, with kidney disease, but that's not every teacher. So I think we have to be careful and ask ourselves, why are we masking? Are we doing it for personal protection? Are we doing it to stop transmission? Are we masking the right people? Is it a blood instrument? Is it actually going to work overall? Or is it only going to be a small... Uh, marginal benefit relative to what would really need, need to be done to stop this and really trying to stop this is essentially kind of lockdown light, you know, closing day clears, close this, close that. We can't go back that way. We've already seen the consequence of that. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have a voice of reason for a change, but nonetheless, that's why I bring you on. Doctor, thank you very much. Thanks for having me again. That is Dr. Neil Arau. So again, is this for politics and political reasons or because it works?